You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. And this morning, I feel to share what I'm labeling the sufficiency of the gospel. In other words, that everything that we need is in the message that we've been given. We don't need to create something else. And sadly, church culture, especially in the United States and first world cultures, we've gotten duped into the idea that maybe if we spruce things up, we'll, we'll get some smoke machines and some lights and we'll get bigger bands and bigger speakers and bigger buildings and bigger this and bigger that, somehow feeling like we have to compensate for the gospel that Jesus has given us to preach. And I want to assure you, and we're going to take step by step through it this morning, that God wants us to be confident in who He is, but also in the message that we've been given to carry. Amen? Amen simply means so be it. You agree with me. So if you don't say it, I will. We'll get there somehow or another. <laughs> but friends, this morning I want to encourage us. Paul, Paul the, the apostle, declared in Romans 1, Romans 1, 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of this gospel. It is the power of God to save men's souls. It says this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And we can read that and we can get enthusiastic about it because the expression in itself, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, already sounds pretty exciting. But when you look back to who Paul was before he made this statement, it becomes all the more real, all the more of a revelation of what he was declaring here and what we should declare, the weight we should carry in our hearts, the joy, the confidence we should have in this message. Because Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was a religious man. He was a scholar in the Jewish world, well-known, well-renowned. And he had a passionate hate for the followers of Jesus Christ. He stood as Stephen was stoned to death, and he gave approval to his death. And then he went to the religious leaders, and he says, Give me letters so I can go and find and root out this Christian plague and get rid of it from the face of the earth. And so he went with soldiers on the way to Damascus, carrying his legal ability to persecute the people of Christ. And on that road to Damascus, he met there his living Savior, Jesus Christ. And this persecutor, this blasphemer, this violent man who hated Jesus and everything about him, all of a sudden was transformed by the power of the gospel. And instead of being a persecutor of the church, he became a proclaimer of the gospel. Everywhere he went, he was stoned to death, dragged out of cities, left for dead, left to float in the ocean, all for the sake of this gospel that he once hated, but now he stands and he says, I am not ashamed. Friends, where can we find that kind of confidence and that kind of faith in this message we've been given to carry? And I believe it is found in nowhere else but in God's Word. And this morning I believe in this season, as in all seasons, we need to be confident of the message we carry. Encouraged that it is enough. Encouraged that when you're sitting across the table from family and friends over Christmas... And you say, what do I tell them? How do I share this with them? Keep it simple. Keep it Jesus. Share the gospel that you've been given. It is enough. Amen? So I, as I said earlier, the first meeting, this is a message in parts that I've preached before in different places, and it has 22 points, which we're never going to get to today. So you can go, Good. But I've taken it, as I said, I've taken it down to four parts, four, four points, 
which each have five subparts. So technically, you're getting the same thing. But it just looks better. It's dressed up better. Point one, this gospel we've been given is powerful. It is a powerful, it is the most powerful message that has ever come to the face of the earth. And that's a big statement. Because we have quotes from different people and different leaders, which are wonderful quotes. But let me tell you, this message of the gospel is the most powerful word that has ever been spoken on the face of the earth. When God came from heaven to earth to save mankind from ourselves, from the power of sin, and deliver us back to himself. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Please. I'm getting a bit demanding, but that's all right. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Be similar to your NIV. He begins in verse 22. He says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Why do I repeat that? Because we would love to fill in blanks that aren't there. We'd love to say we are made right with God through going to church, through giving money, through doing good deeds, through trying to be a good person, through prayer and worship and reading my Bible wrong. We are made right with God through Jesus Christ, period. Now, why is that important? Because in the world we live in, people are desperately trying to find a way to deal with the grief and the weight and the condemnation and the guilt that weighs upon us all in this world and all that it brings. So we pursue religions. We, we do different things. We go to church. We, we uh, feel like we've gone talk to people. We do, we're racking up points with God. Wrong. We are made right with God through what Jesus Christ has done. And the power of this gospel should remind us that the work that he has done is absolutely complete. It's done. It's finished. When he was upon the cross and said, it is finished, he didn't then say, except for these things you guys need to keep doing. He said, it is finished. And I'm staying on that point because too often, especially in these seasons, when the world around us can overwhelm us, we begin to lean back upon this idea that maybe God's mad at me. Maybe I've fallen out of his favor. Maybe I've screwed up so much. We are made right with God through what Jesus Christ has done. And it's such an important point because we will reach out to people and we will invite them to church, and that's good. And we will share our faith and what they will feel is guilt and remorse and unworth. And the thing we need to remind them of is, my friend, my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my neighbor, you're made right with God. Not by coming to church with me, not by acting good, not by getting your act together, but because of what Jesus has done for you. It's simple. It's complete. It's powerful. Because it's meant to set us free, not put us into bondage. Amen? He goes on and he says, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So often, we or others will feel so far from God that it's impossible for him to reach us. 
You will minister to people who feel like, and I remember sitting at the, the deathbed of a, of a man. He was from Chicago, and if you know anything about Chicago, he was an Italian, loudmouth, smoker, cusser, everything else. He'd been kicked out of the Catholic Church 50 years ago, and he wasn't about to go back. Tommy. But I remember sitting with him on his deathbed and getting the opportunity to share the gospel with him. And in tears, he said, but how can I, who walked away from God 50 years ago, ever expect him to receive me back? Friends, it is for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. And we need to allow that to permeate our hearts so that we don't feel like, well, I've done so bad, God can't. Wrong answer. Jesus has done the work. But those family and those friends and those people in your life and those co-workers and that boss that drives you crazy and the person who cusses and drinks and still smells of alcohol the next day, none of them are too far for the reach of this gospel of Jesus Christ. If we had time, I would share a bit of my testimony. I was too far, but not too far from him. And we need to let that confidence get in us that no one is too far from his reach. No one has committed so many sins. No murderer, no person that you despise in every way. It's too far from the reach of this gospel. So share it, declare it, believe in it, walk in it, live in it. Let other people see you living in his grace. Let other people see you in your imperfection and with your scars, living not by your strength and by your religion, but by what Jesus has done for us all. It is truly transforming. And I said it earlier this morning, I said it before. People say that the gospel is not about making bad people good, but about making dead people alive. And that is absolutely true. We are dead in our sins, dead to God, and dead for all eternity until Jesus comes. Until we give our lives to him, then we are made alive, not only physically, but spiritually reborn to spend an eternity with him. And that is the glorious victory over sin and over death. But I do believe this transforming work does make bad people into at least better people. Because I was bad people. And I don't think of myself as perfect by any stretch. But I know he has made me a better man. Because of the power of his gospel and what he's done for us. Goes on in verse 23. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God. And anywhere you see those for or yet God or because, right in there, circle it, highlight it, whatever version of the Bible you carry, phone or paper, it's okay to put it in there. Because when there's a yet God, it means this is the circumstance. And it's probably an impossible circumstance. Yet God. Because the truth here is for all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's incredible standard of perfection. And apart from Jesus Christ, we are all due to pay the price for our own sin. Because sin is a commission of rebellion against the eternal God. So it has eternal consequences. And apart from what Jesus has done, this is bad news. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God's incredible glory. Woe is me. Yet God. Yet God, the perfect, sinless God, freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. 
And he reminds us again, for people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Friends, we stand before God as if we had never sinned. And we know we have. Probably in the past three seconds. There you go again. There I go again. And you think, is God not just? No, he's just. He paid the price for our sins, committed and yet to commit. As we turn to him, we stand before God as if we had never sinned. Friends, you don't stand before God still filthy, still disgusting in our sin, lost in our depravity. We stand before God clothed in white, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, as if we had never done those things that weigh upon our hearts and the enemy loves to remind us of because of Jesus. So when we share this message, it is a message of freedom. Not just from religion, but from our past. Because it is a powerful message. And one very difficult to move on from these points. <laughs> this message heals souls. It heals people. This world is a broken world. And you can't, you can't spend a few moments looking at television or news without being broken for people and what's going on. And beginning to say, God, what difference can I make? You can bring them the one message that can heal every broken heart, restore every broken relationship, fix every broken thing. doesn't mean that our life's suddenly going to be perfect on this world, but it means we do it with him. Second point, and these others can't be as long because I don't have that much time. Point two is relevant. This gospel is more relevant than any other message in any time in all of history. Because the word out there in the street is, well, the Bible's old, it's outdated, it's, it's ancient news, the, this whole purity thing, all that stuff, that's nonsense from the past. Absolutely not. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Having the privilege of leading a church and being in ministry, people come often and ask, hey, my marriage is going this way or my work is going this way. And, you know, in our cleverness, we want to come up with these great ideas. And, hey, this worked before, try this, or we did this and try this. Ultimately, friends, the gospel is the answer to every practical situation you face. And that can sound simplistic, but as I watch the news, I hear the things that are happening. Ultimately, the answer is Jesus. You want a good marriage, you want a great marriage, submit yourself to this gospel and the Jesus who brought it to us. Husbands, you want to be a great husband, submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because in that place, you will learn humility, you will learn self-sacrifice, you will learn to love your wife more than yourself, and you will love her and lead her in what he has instead of what you or she thinks is best. You want to raise your kids the way they need to be raised? Soak them in this message of Jesus Christ because it is one of giving our lives for something and someone bigger than all of us. You want to know what to do with your money and where to work and where to live? Let it be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Where do you want me to be, God? What do you want me to do? What is this glorious calling you have for my life in the, in the message of your gospel? And I know some of you might be wrestling with that. It doesn't mean he always changes what you're doing or where you are. But he simply changes what you focus on as you do it. And he changes the weight and effectiveness of what you do. 
You could be working in the same place in the same office job and think you come to Christ, you come to the salvation, you begin to soak it in the gospel and who Jesus is and his lordship, and suddenly everybody around you becomes your harvest field rather than your co-workers. Everyone around you becomes those that need to be reached with the good news you have instead of just a job to pay your bills. Are you with me? The practical nature of the gospel is students, you're in school. How does the good news have to do with my going through school? Call upon him. Let him give you wisdom in a test. Let him give you patience. Let him show how you facing the same thing as the person next to you is different because of him. Friends, the gospel is absolutely relevant and necessary for every part of our lives. As I said earlier, it's simple. He didn't make it complicated. We did. You don't have to be versed in the scriptures. You don't have to know Hebrew and Greek to be able to share your faith. It is simple as this. Sin, which we all commit, has separated us from the one who created us. And there's no way we can fix it, make up for it, give enough sacrifices for it. We're sunk, but Jesus. God, out of his love for us, sent his only son to save anyone who would believe. Because he didn't come to judge. He came to save. Simple. Trust in Jesus. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to attend church every single moment. Hopefully you'll want to understand what Jesus has done. It will bring you through to maturity. Because when you're faced not just with your Savior who forgives your sins, but your Lord who guides your life, He will lead you from infancy to a place of maturity. And to be honest, that's one of the biggest problems of us, the church, worldwide is we're a bunch of babies. We want our band, we want our preacher, we want our comfort, we want our seat, we want this, we want that. You know what? It doesn't matter what you want, what I want. Because we're not here. We're not saved so we can sit here and cush our way into heaven. We are saved to get the gospel to the ends of the earth because there are people dying apart from him. And we've been given the incredible call. And identity is a sermon in itself. But this heartbreaking robbery of people's identity where men are trying to become women, women are trying to become men, people don't know who they are. It is a robbery. The only cure is Jesus Christ. And it doesn't mean go hit them over the head with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It means they need to meet their maker before they meet their maker. Because he has a plan for their life. He has a purpose for them. And I shared earlier in a tidbit, I, I was... Someone asked me, I was abandoned when I was seven in an apartment and spent a lot of years trying to figure out who I was, why I existed, did it, did it matter. And I tried this and I tried that and I rode motorcycles, I, I, I dealt drugs, I did all these different things trying to figure out why I existed. And it wasn't until I met God through Jesus Christ that I realized why he made me. And through his grace, he took all my scars and all my wounds and used that Two, to tell other people about his goodness. Friends, your identity is in him. Not in what people think of you. To be honest, not in what the elders of this church think of you. And they do think highly and pray for you. But even they don't have it all. Jesus does. And through his gospel, that's where you discover it. This gospel, number three, is challenging. If it hasn't challenged you already. And we don't have a lot of time, so I'll jump in. But... The gospel is offensive, friends. When you live a life, live for Jesus, live for someone else, and the people say, well, why don't you come and do this with us? And you say, I can't. Why not? Because that's just not who I am. 
It's offensive. I remember going to family parties. And I, I mean, I was, I was the leader of the party, the crazy animal. Got saved. And then I'm at those parties again. And they're like, Chris, you want to drink? No, thanks. I'm good. I didn't say you can't drink. But the fact that I didn't just... And the things I talked about, I wasn't dropping F-bombs. I'm just being honest with you. I wasn't doing all those things that I used to do. And they hated it. And I thought they hated me. But I realized what it is is they hated the Christ in me because just like it offended me before Christ, it was offending the sin in them. But that offense is meant to help them recognize their need for salvation as I did mine and come to Christ and surrender myself. Don't be afraid to share the gospel because it's offensive. It's meant to be. It's the nature of it. Not to offend people, but to offend sin and to offend flesh so we can be set free from the power of sin and death and serve the one who created us. It's good news that it's offensive. If it was light and sweet and smooth, I would question whether it was Jesus because he was the rock of offense. And this thing of fitting in, Friends, we are meant to be sanctified, meant to be set apart, meant to stand out, not to fit in. We didn't get saved so we could be dark in darkness. We are saved to be light in darkness. And if you're in a dark room and light one tiny match, light goes all over the place. So I want to encourage you. I, want to, I believe the Spirit wants to fill you with courage. Let your light shine. Don't be weird. Don't be a Bible basher. Don't speak in Christianese. Be who God called you to be. Share his goodness, everything he does, all the time, the way he saved you, the way he's working in you. Be real, but be real with the gospel. If you rattle off 50 scriptures every time you speak to somebody, I don't want to talk to you. My goodness. Just share Jesus. Yeah. This gospel challenges because it recruits us. You may think you're on your course, the course you've planned out, but let me tell you, there's a greater course and there's a greater purpose. Not just Savior, but Lord. Let him lead you. Not just into something. He's not going to lead you into something you hate. He's going to lead you into things that blow your mind what he does. You will reach people. The greatest miracle on earth is the salvation of one soul. We get excited about cancers being healed, and we should be, because that's the power of God. But the greatest miracle is when someone is destined to spend eternity in hell, and by the power of God, they come to salvation, and they are secure in their eternity in heaven. That God, Tommy, on that deathbed only lived for a few more weeks. And you say, well, what difference did he make? I don't know what difference he made from the time I shared it with the time he went to be with Jesus. All I know is he went to be with Jesus. I've run my time. Number four is central. The gospel is central to who we are, who the church is, and who we're meant to be. Don't deviate. Don't try and find something else. There is no other course. He's not revising the scriptures. It is what it is. He is who he is. He's not coming again. When he does, he'll come to take us home, not to die on a cross and do it one more time. And we have got to let it be, him be the central message of the church. It's when we deviate that people get hurt. It's when we go off the course of the gospel that we become religious and go into something that's man-made and we, we have a, sen- a sense of godliness, but we have no power because the power is in the name of Jesus Christ and his gospel and what he's done. And as I said, there is no more worthwhile message on the face of the earth than this, to turn someone's eternity from a destiny of suffering 
to pay for their own sin to a destiny that has been paid and has spent an eternity with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the creator of all. Friends, be encouraged in your message. Share it. Keep it simple. Share who he is, what he's done. Introduce people to the one who created them. Amen? Let's stand together. Sorry, if some of you look a little shotgunned. I guess that's the nature of my preaching. But uh, just settle in on what, what God said this morning. Maybe close your eyes where you are just to focus in. Just two things. This morning, if for you, maybe you've been a church goer. Maybe you've done the church thing and you're still trying to earn your way into heaven. And maybe for the first time this morning, the light's gone on that you know what, I can't. I don't have to. Jesus has done it for me. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this gospel. Not going to make you weird. Not going to make you like someone else. It's actually going to make you who God created you to be. Walking with the one who loves you more than anyone ever could. This morning, if you want to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be Lord of my life. And lead me forward in this life you created me for. Just going to ask you in privacy of the moment just to lift your hand. I'm the only one that's going to look because I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand saying, Lord, I want this salvation. I want to walk with you. I want to know my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, for all of us, whether this is that moment right now or we've been walking our entire lives with you, Father, we want to be bearers of your message. So we pray, take off the chains. Take off the limitations. Take off the things that have been put on us. Take off the rejection, the people who said, I don't want to hear it anymore. God, give us the resiliency and the courage to go back and share it one more time and one more time and one more time. Because it isn't about them liking or not liking. It's about their eternity. And our message isn't bad. It's good. Our message isn't religious news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ and the salvation of men's souls. So this morning, Lord, we just lift our hands to you and say, Lord, fill me with courage. Fill me with faith. Fill me with new eyes and a new heart. All the wounds of offense and rejection put aside to say, Lord, it's worth it. You have called me to be your messenger. May I go and deliver that message to everyone I can, every chance I get, everywhere I go. May this Christmas be a Christmas filled with the salvation of family and friends and neighbors, strangers, co-workers, fellow students. We ask you, Lord, give us those you put in our worlds. Give us the courage to share your gospel with them. And Holy Spirit, prepare their hearts to receive that which they are longing for. May we be light unto the world, not just in Westminster and Broomfield in this area, but throughout this nation, throughout the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.